All right, guys, welcome back. Another podcast we're going to get into here. It's another email question. Um, this one is another that I sent a message back to him. I said, you know what? I'm going to crank this out as a podcast. I saw a way, I think, to touch on this specific, and it was, it's a lengthy one, but um, specifically on this guy's issue, but I also think that it can be kind of a universal answer to apply to a lot of other questions, and I thought it was uh, it would be valuable to share, share the idea of it. Um, it's going to help more than just uh, Chuck. The guy's name is Chuck Saylor. It's going to help more than just Chuck. So let's get right into it. Hello, thanks for taking the time for this email. I have a question that I need some help with. Bought a golden retriever in July, born in May, and have been training her to hunt sheds. So if I do the math right, May, it's June, July, August, September, October, November, December, January. Probably eight or nine months old. Another real young puppy. Um, when I say that because we just got done recording a podcast about another email that was in, and that was a six-month-old pup. So not a lot older than that. Um, so she's done awesome, and I've been really encouraged by her progress. She had shown instances of being scared to ride in vehicles as she was very hesitant and pretty much defiant in obedience to get into a vehicle. With that being said, I took her out a couple weeks ago to shed hunt and put her in the back of my truck with my son. We didn't get out of the driveway and she jumped out the back of my truck and it hurt her paw a little bit. She's okay after a few minutes, but not mentally. Now she's terrified of my truck, probably any vehicle. I have to pick her up and go find her when I want to go get in my truck. Yesterday, she wouldn't even come close to my garage, and I said, you want to go find the bone? She ran back, went in her kennel. I gave her some time and started to shed practice in our yard, and she went to one shed, found it, picked it up, ran with it, then dropped it. Went to another, picked it up, won't even pick, and won't even pick it up. I hope I haven't ruined her, and I need some advice on how to reintroduce her to my hunting vehicle, like Jeremy's videos talked about. I watched his video on ATVs and UTVs, and it's great, but I wish I had watched it prior to taking my pup out. I'm worried her fear of my hunting vehicle has crippled her desire to hunt. Any advice or help would be greatly appreciated. Okay, so first off, Chuck, I want to touch, and in, in, we're going to talk specifically about some of the stuff that's in this message. We're going to talk generally on some of the stuff, generalize some of the information on what's what we're going to discuss here. I think first off, we have to recognize when you say, I hope I haven't ruined her and I need some advice on how to reintroduce her to a hunting vehicle, you're worried that the fear of my hunting vehicle has crippled her desire to hunt. That's your paranoia. Um, Dogs aren't going to connect. First off, what we have here is a bad experience with something specific. Uh, This is a specifically bad experience with something specific. Sounds like it's coupled and compiled on top of a situation that started out not real positive in the first place with a specific situation. The idea of loading into a vehicle, getting in and out of a vehicle. Okay, so then we went to a dog that was hesitant from the start, it sounds like, to an issue that came up, a more... um, more probably traumatizing issue. And when I say traumatizing, I don't want people to like, I don't want it to be over. I, I don't, I don't want it to be, make it into more than what it really is. It, it was an, it was an issue with being uncomfortable with the idea of vehicles. Then it, a specific 
thing happened that became even more intensifying of that feeling. And now there's probably, which is maybe the most damaging of all, is you're afraid you've ruined her and you're connecting a, this experience with what happened in your backyard shed training and you're going, well, I ruined her and it's because I did what I did with the truck and now she doesn't want to hunt. It's not true. So one of the things I think that you have to understand is take a deep breath, take a step back, realize they're a lot more resilient than we give them credit for. We build up, I think, some of these things in our mind. I've had so many people come and tell me their stories about how their dog magically knew this, this, and this because of this, this, and this, and there's absolutely zero connection between the two, but we've created this belief in our head and it's sometimes it's a positive and it's a, a good story and some of it sometimes it's an excuse for a problem. I think this is more along those lines. Now, so I'm going to I want to address this a little bit. I want to compartmentalize it for you. First off, the idea that you had a dog that had an issue, she has shown some instances of being scared to ride in vehicles as she's very hesitant and pretty much defiant in obedience to get into the vehicle. So let's not turn this into a, you're defying my obedience of getting into the vehicle. Let's turn it into a f understanding of how do we get the dog to, you, you have a dog that's uncomfortable with a situation. The question is, how do you get her to be a little more comfortable? Not the idea of she's defying your obedience, she's defying your commands in obedience. It's not that. That's a, that's a, when I read that, I go, well, she's, being bullheaded. No, she's not. She's not comfortable with something and you're not making it any easier. So I have dogs that are afraid of the vacuum. I, I see it a lot. Uh, a dog will come here in training. I'm real particular about it because I vacuum a lot. We have hard floors. We have a lot of dogs. They shed a lot and I wear a Dyson out. I mean, we use it a lot. And I don't want every time I start the Dyson, the dogs to go scattering about like scared little, you know, runoffs. So what do we do? We're, I, I know it's going to be an issue if I don't address it the right way. I know it's going to be, it's, you could, you could, this stand, the Dyson could be substituted for a gun, like in the story. You get dogs that are afraid of guns. You get dogs that are afraid of this. You get dogs that are afraid of that. It's because of how we introduce them to certain situations and how, and, and a lot of the times, so now I don't, I don't my dogs aren't afraid of the vacuum. I don't remember the last dog that panicked when it saw the vacuum. And it's because I know it's potentially an issue for some. And so I address it with kid gloves from day one. And I vacuum without even turning it on. And the dog sees this thing. And sometimes if they hear the wheels rolling, they're, they're curious about it. I don't go running the vacuum into their beds. I don't go turning it on even, like to run the motor on it. It's loud. It's a little intimidating. It looks like a monster. It looks like it's going to eat me up. So what I do is I just, I might even take it out and just put it in the room and not have it move. Let the dog see it for a little while. Let the dog realize it's not really that big of a deal. And then I might move it around a little bit without turning it on. And then I might vacuum way on the other end of the house. So I take a lot of steps before my dogs ever get exposed to the idea. That's how I would recommend if a dog shows any hesitation in loading in a vehicle, I don't turn it into a, I'm going to show you how to get into the vehicle and you're going to have a command to do it. Instead, I, I'm going to get the dog to understand that come out on the driveway when the, when the truck's parked there. It might be that simple. 
If the dog shows me some hesitations, I back up that far and I go, well, let's just walk past it a couple times. Let's not even have it running. Let's make it a very comfortable situation. From there, I might bring the dog over next to it and have it sit by me. And I might, hell, I might sit on the floor of the truck. So I'm kind of sitting there and I might just pet the dog and the dog's on the floor, on the ground, not on the, not on the truck, on the ground. And that might be a lesson for a few days. And from there, I might pick the puppy up and hold the dog next to the truck pet it and enjoy it and set it back down and then maybe we work on recall and the dog I call the dog back to me and he comes back to me and I pick him up and I praise him might be one of those situations where they're little and I'm using food to incorporate and recall so I recall him back to me while I'm sitting on the on the floor of the truck they don't have to get in it they just gotta come by me and then all of a sudden they get a little piece of kibble because they were a good dog and they came when I told them to come and guess what he's sitting next to the truck and all of a sudden this truck that may or may not have been an issue in the first place is definitely not an issue anymore. It's not fixed overnight. It's not something that we do in one session and go, they got it, we're good. Now, this is only, I I don't see vehicle issues very often. Occasionally dogs don't like them. It's typically because of how they were introduced to them that creates this reason to not like them. So I do think it's worth probably thinking about when and how did it happen? If you can't figure it out, that's okay. Recognize it and start working towards mending that. So some of these things that I'm talking about what I would do with these little puppies, I would be looking at probably building that in Chuck. I'd put the dog on a lead. You get first off the dog's eight months old, nine months old. Foundation is first. So I'm spending the majority of my time on heel sit, stay come when I call you. You're you've you sounds like you're off to a great start with shed training. You do more shed training. You've done more shed training in the first five months than I do with my dogs in the first year. So Take that as a compliment and go, you're way ahead of the game. So just stop worrying about that for a while. And let's worry about the stuff that's affecting us. And that's getting in and out of the truck. That's having confidence and trust and belief in you. Uh, How is your recall? Is your recall really good? Is heel work really good? If those things are great, I'm going to hire you. Because by eight months, I don't have all that stuff good enough to be on to the formal stuff. I'm still working on it. I'm still perfecting it in more multiple places. I'm still putting them in situations where there's distractions and I'm asking them to replicate behavior and not be diluted or eroded based on outside influences. So the truck might become an outside influence for you because something happened to create this issue that we have. Now, I might heal the dog past the truck. I might heal the dog in the same parking lot as the truck if if it requires that much distance. And then I might move closer to the driveway. And then I might heel the dog around circles around it. I might just make laps around it. Truck's not running. Just parked there. And I heel the dog around. And if the dog freaks out, I don't go, you're defying my obedience. You're going to do this. I go, Jesus, we'll back up a little bit. How far away do we have to be before your behavior is what I'm asking for? Your obedience is solid without the distraction that this truck has created. How far away is that? And we'll work on it there until we can take a step closer and not lose everything from an obedience standpoint. And then we'll work on it there until that gets comfortable. And then I'll move a little closer until that gets comfortable. And then I'll move a little bit closer. So we're going to find where that point is. And then we're going to slowly creep back in to the point where eventually I'm going to take the dog. I'm going to walk. I might walk circles around the truck. Then I might start the truck at a distance and do the whole thing over again. Then I might get to the point, 
week or two later, I might be walking the dog past the truck that's idling in the driveway with no one in it. And then from there, I might shut the truck off and go, I'm going to sit down and do this whole thing that I talked about with the puppy, and I'm going to recall you to me off lead. Let you have the choice to say the behavior of when dad says come, I need to go buy him, is stronger than, oh, my God, he's sitting on that thing. So before I ever plop in a dog into the truck, i got to have all this stuff first. From there, I might get the idea of bringing the dog up and into the truck and then out, up and in and out. I, I kenneling, kenneling dogs up into crates a lot of times becomes what you have with the truck. It's miserable. They hate it. They're going to do everything they can to avoid it. They run away. So we turn it into a game of how quickly can you get in there. My dogs like to eat. So at feeding times twice a day, morning and night, we start turning into this game of we'll feed you, but you've got to go in the kennel first. And we turn it into this game of go in, you eat. Come out, go back in, you eat. Come back. And we turn it into a game. We did it in our video, I think in our puppy video. We feed the dog in the kennel. I might be doing the same thing with the truck. Not running, not driving, none of that stuff. Hell, you get good at kenneling up, and then I put the kennel in the truck. Because I move the kennel wherever the... I get the crate. I'm talking about a crate. You put the dog in the crate. The dog goes in, loads up. Good. Now move it into the garage, do the same thing. I don't want the dog only to load up in my mudroom where I keep the crate, where the puppies sleep. I want it to be any place that I want. Because when I go out in the field and I go hunting... I'm going to put them in a dog hide, and I tell them, kennel up. It's the exact same command that I tell them to get into their kennel or crate. It's just they kennel up into their little momarsh blind out in the field. So when I'm when we were duck hunting this fall, we got an elevated momarsh blind. I think it's called an Invisalab. I say, kennel up. They jump up in there. So I'm going to start getting them to kennel up in other spots. I might put the kennel in the back seat with the seat up in my crew cab. Put the seat up. Kennel up. Get them up in there. And so I turn it into this game of now all of a sudden there's this comfort level with kenneling up, understanding the command. Now, again, this all takes some time. And right now you've got an eight-month-old dog that's well on its way to shed hunt. So stop shed, shed training. You're way ahead. Start working on the foundational stuff, the basic stuff, the early stuff that needs to be there, the trust stuff, the idea of connection and feel and the dog looking at you as you're a good leader and you're going to make good decisions instead of I'm getting the hell away from you because I know what's coming next. And then you, maybe there's maybe there's a response or reaction from you that doesn't necessarily put that fire out. It might throw gas on it. And the only reason I'm saying some of that stuff is I'm reading this. So I'm worried her fear of my hunting vehicle has crippled her desire to hunt. Those are strong words. You know, reading te- reading messages, reading texts. I always tell people, you know, it's can get can get you it can get slippery and it can get misread. So maybe I'm misreading things. But usually I, I, people, if they sit, and the reason I say this is because I send emails to people. If I sent an email to someone that I had a question regarding some type of craft or trade that they did well, I would sit down and probably wordsmith that message with great care and thought. I would choose my words pretty precisely. I would write it and then I'd rewrite it. Then I'd read it and I'd rewrite it. That's just how I am. I would probably make sure that every sentence was the best way that I could capture it, because I only got so much to send. And I want to make sure that that person receives the information or the, the message that I'm trying to send. So when I read this, it's a new paragraph, and it says, I hope I haven't ruined her, and I need some advice on how to reintroduce her to my hunting vehicle like Jeremy's videos. So I'm worried 
I'm worried her fear of my hunting vehicle has crippled her desire to hunt. Any advice would help or be greatly appreciated. Like that last message is telling me, wow, the guy's, the guy's pretty nervous about this right now. So I'm telling you, take a deep breath and be patient. Recognize that when I go back up to the very beginning, I read, I bought a golden retriever in July. She was born in May. It's January. Recognize that. Been training her for sheds. She's awesome. Encouraged by her progress. All positive. All good stuff on the early part. And then we get into that downward spiral of what's happened with the truck. And then you're starting to tie and you're connecting. Now she's terrified of my truck and probably any vehicles I have to pick her up and go find her when I want to go in my truck. Yesterday, she wouldn't even come close to the garage. And I said, you want to go find the bone? And she ran back and went in her kennel. Now you're connecting things with an, an assumption of, oh my God, I've ruined her to the point where she doesn't want to go in my truck and now she doesn't want to hunt anymore because of that. No. Take a deep breath. Recognize the issue. Address it specifically. It has nothing to do with hunting. Quit worrying about hunting. That's, this is one of the things that happens when we start having unrealistic expectations when it comes to raising dogs. And so, and this is, this is, this is why I'm sharing this message, Chuck, because you are going to help a dozen other people that have completely different stories, but they're running into issues from a confidence standpoint because XYZ happened and now they're going, they're starting to draw these conclusions. Here's the, here's the thing. We have to have realistic expectations when it comes to our dogs. You have an eight or nine month old golden retriever that I think you're probably further along with certain things and you are missed the boat on other things. So what do you do when you're way ahead on some stuff and have, not, have zero in the bank account with the other stuff? Here's the thing. The bank account of the other stuff is the foundational stuff, the really, really important stuff that you have to build the hunting stuff on, and you built the hunting stuff without the foundation. I'm telling you right now, buildings without foundations fall down, regardless of how nice they look. It's all about what's underneath. And that's the part that gets built first. You never build the second floor first. You never built the, the penthouse suite until you got everything else underneath it. So we have to take steps back and recognize where holes are in training and we have to fill them in in order to be able to take the next step. Like we can't be road workers. I, I use analogies a lot. We can't build a highway if we don't put in a sub base. You can't pave the road and make it look pretty and paint the dots on the little lines in the center. You can't do all that stuff. You can't put the street signs up. You can't do all that crap until you excavate out and put a good sub-base in. And that's what we're doing in training. We can't go hunting with dogs. I have a dog right now that's at 15, around 15 or 16 months old, I think. I, have, I still haven't looked at her age because it really doesn't matter to me that much. I probably should just so I can put it in context for people. But I got this dog that's in. And she's got a great foundation. And I'm still reluctant and hesitant to put her into a situation for hunting because I've already assessed, in a matter of two or three weeks, I've already assessed a couple of things that are missing. That if I took her hunting, she's probably got a better foundation than 90% of the people listening to the, vodka, the podcast right now. 
and I will not hunter until I recognize where potential holes are and ensure that I fill them in before I go in the field with her and hunt because I know that what will happen if I take a half-cocked gun to the battle. It isn't going to work. i got to have everything in line. And it's going to take me a while to do that because I can't assess it in a matter of a day. It's been a couple weeks. For the first week, I didn't even do anything with her. I just got her to know, got her to get to know me. I've had her for a couple weeks now. I and and she's like prime learning age. Like she's fifth, she's she can comprehend stuff. She's she's got great and she's got great foundation. But the foundation that she's had built underneath her isn't exactly aligned and matched up with what my friend, my client is going to end up doing with her in the field. So I'm more worried about making sure that I shore up that foundation for the little addition that we're going to be putting on. If you're talking construction terms, I'm putting this little addition off, this little three seasons room, and we're going to make sure that we put it on found a good foundation as well. We're going to take the foundation that's already there and we're just going to add on to it because I need to customize her training to fit exactly what we want to do in the field. She's 15 months old. You've got an eight-month-old. Talk to me in seven months if you're still concerned. But if you put good, if you put a good seven months in without worrying about the hunting part, and you just focus on making sure you're not going out beyond where you've built the sub base for the road, if you just focus on what's at and fix what fix the potholes you got, fix the sinkhole you got. If you do that. And then by when you call when you, when you message me back in seven months, I bet you the tune is a lot different than I hope I haven't ruined her. Looking for some advice. I'm worried my fear of her vehicle has crippled her desire to hunt. I bet you it's a totally different tune. But sometimes you just need to hear me tell you that. And you also need to hear me say, look, she's resilient. I don't care how fragile she is. You didn't break her. Get over it. I say, that, I say that not to be a jerk. I say that to be completely honest with you and say, look, sometimes your friends have to tell you the truth. Get over it. Don't allow your nervousness to cripple you. That's what I'm more worried about. I'm not worried about her being crippled. I'm worried about you being crippled. I can't make another mistake. I'm locking up. I can't move. I can't do anything because the dog can't leave the house. The dog all it wants to do is... Because you're going to be paranoid about it. And you're going to be... Every little thing she does, you're going to say, oh, it's because of this. Oh, it's because of that. Oh, it's because... Get over it, okay? I say it to you with all due respect. Just get over it. Move on. Take steps back so that you can move on. When I say move on, I don't mean like go more, go further and become more advanced. I mean move on. Go back and fill those holes in. So I think that's specific, some specific stuff that I would be looking at Chuck. And then if you're listening to this and you're not Chuck and you're going, I have a similar story, but it's this, I think you can take this last podcast and replace a lot of the message specific to you and go take a deep breath, recognize that they're pretty resilient. You can, you're not going to screw them up that easy, but you can't just keep going. You have to go back and fix the stuff that really matters. That's going to be the support to build off of in the future. It's 100% can be like this. I can, I'll be able to direct people to this podcast for lots of questions that come in. 
what's this one going to be like? Number 103? 103. So I'm going to be able to, I'm going to mark 103 in my notes in my phone because there's going to be a lot of times where people ask me questions and I'm going to say, listen to podcast episode 103. Insert yourself into a lot of the Chuck spots and insert your problem into a lot of the spots of that dog not going into the truck. Because the same message is going to really be universal in a lot of scenarios. So I thank Chuck for sending the message. Chuck, I hope you hope you got thick skin and can take the message, can take the get over it. Because I do think that sometimes, I, I know sometimes people send messages and they're looking for a real neat, packaged, clean, with a bow on top delivered fix. I don't have it, but I'm going to be honest with you and tell you that, where I think, I'm not trying to sell you anything, Chuck. I'm try- I don't care if you buy our stuff, Chuck. I want you to be successful with your dog. If you use our stuff, I really appreciate it. If you use our stuff, it's because you've seen me use it, and that's how I find success. So that I appreciate, that I get, but that's not why we're doing a podcast. So... Chuck, I want to see you. I want to see you make it out. That's why I don't tell you. Here's what you need to buy. You pick up a bottle of scent and you go and get our dummy. Yeah, that's part of it. That's not the fix. The fix is someone telling you probably what you maybe didn't want to hear. And I'll deliver that message. Hope you don't get offended by it. I think sometimes we. Um, I'm, I'm really grateful for the people that follow us and, and communicate with us and give us feedback. And because quite honestly, I'm not interested in always being politically correct. I'm not interested in always being like handling everything with kid gloves, man. I'm not, it's just not, it's not reality. It's not truth. It's not the way the life is. Sometimes with my kids, I have to be a dad and dads don't always be do exactly what the kids want to do. And because of that, doesn't make me a bad dad. Sometimes the kids need to learn a lesson. I did. And I think at the moment it sucks. A lot of times. At the moment it's... But provided what the scenario is, depending on what the scenario is, a lot of times I can look back on stuff and go, you know what? It was that time when my parents did this that I hated them for it at the moment that I recognize this value of it today because that's life. And that's how it is when you raise your dog. I'll tell you the truth. I'll tell you if I think it's good. I'll tell you if I think it's bad. Um, I'm not going to try to be a real jerk about it. Like I, I do make a point of trying to be nice. But I think I, you'll probably hear in my tone in this one because I felt it a couple times while we were talking. I... I you know, Chuck might not like hearing this. I literally said it in my head. Chuck might not like hearing me say, get over it. Move on. If you don't like it, I'm going to have you, I'm going to, I'm gonna, what I'm going to tell you to do is, well, then just pause it. Just turn it off. Then go back and think about your dog and do, you know, do, do how, respond however you want to respond with your dog. And if you're seeing positive changes, eh, keep going with it. If you decide you're upset about my message and then you say, I'm going to go back and work on the dog and then it doesn't work, I'm going to say, listen to the podcast one more time and 
try to get past the idea of don't let that get under your skin. Just listen to it, take it for what it's worth, let it soak in, and then do what you got to do. You know, you get pissed off about it again, turn it off. Then come back and listen to it again. Get to the point where you get beyond the idea and you recognize, you get to this part where you hear me saying, you know what, I'm not mad at you and I don't, you know, I don't think anything less of you, but I do think you got to get over it. And I think sometimes we got to hear people tell us that, get over it, quit feeling sorry. Don't allow it to cripple you. Because we get crippled, and I'm, I'm guilty of it. I'll take something, I'm a pretty sensitive guy. And I'll let, things will cripple me at times. And I can't allow it to happen, and, and we move on. So, we're approaching our 30 minutes. We're going to wrap it up. Ben, we got enough time on that camera to make it work. That's it. Another message in. Chuck, good work, man. You can do it. Uh, keep me posted. Let me know how it goes. And we'll go from there.